It's time to take a journey to find your courage, break through your limits, and master your destiny. It's time for Ken D. Foster's Voices of Courage. Ken brings you some of the most courageous people on the planet that will inspire greatness within you and change your life for the better. It's time to see the unseeable, know the unknowable, and do the impossible. It's time for Voices of Courage. And here's your host, Ken D. Foster. Well, hello and welcome. Hey, I have a question to ask you today. If a close friend or a family member was injured, wouldn't you give them 100% of your efforts to do everything you could to help them? Of course you would. Would you do the same for yourself? You know, I'm hoping you said yes, because it is time to heal whatever's been ailing you mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Welcome. This is Ken D. Foster, and I'm your host today. Our show is titled The Courage to Overcome Great Challenges. Listen, if you're new to the show, I'd like to welcome you. We're now on 103 stations in 27 countries. The show is about empowering you. And the show is about helping you to take your life to a new level and to be able to be at a place where, you know, some of your greatest dreams come true, right? In a healthy, vital, holistic way. We believe that, you know, we don't need a lot more information on radio. What we need is wisdom, courage, love, and understanding between us to make this world a little better place for all. So as you are aware, or maybe um, you're not aware, let me enlighten you if you're not aware, you can heal almost anything. Now, I say almost anything because medical science has uh, uh, diseases that they that are incurable right now, and some diseases uh, have progressed so far that only divine intervention is going to uh, have a healing. But for the most part, you can heal yourself. Some people have been given forty-eight hours to live, such as Anita Morjani, who wrote the book after her near-death experience or NDA called "Dying to Be Me." And for those of you that are new to NDA or the uh, field of that study, you know, it's a study of psychology and psychiatry that studies the physiology and phenomenology after the effects of a near-death experience. Recent studies indicate that between 5 and 15% of the population in the United States has had a near-death experience. My point is this. There's countless evidence of people who have healed their bodies of just about anything you can imagine. So why don't most people heal their diseases? Well, obviously there's many reasons for that. But a lot of times it's because they don't really realize that if they stay committed to the healing process, that healing actually is a quest. It's something we start. It's not something you you walk into your local physician and say, Hey, you know, I've, I've got this disease. I've had a chronic disease for the last six months. Give me something to, to heal it, and it just goes away. Um, you know, for, from my experience, that can happen. Don't get me wrong. That can happen. But a lot of times you're treating the symptoms and not the cause. But, you know, as a quest, you may have to be on that quest for a month, a year, six months, a couple years. But it is a quest. Why is it a quest? 
Well, listen, we're all here learning, growing, evolving, and trying to understand who we are, how these bodies work, how these minds work, how we work. You know, but within all of us is a healing force that can heal the mind, body, and the spirit in the moment. That, well, I say in the moment, if you get the lessons, if you, get a, if you start to understand what needs to change so that you can heal permanently, once you understand that, healing can actually take place. That's my point. So the point is, if you want to heal whatever ails you, then approach healing as a quest. Think about the multitude of solutions and possibilities to heal. You know, it's, it's rare to find... Uh, one doctor or one healing technique or one medicine that solves the problem instantly. It happens, but it's rare. So what it takes is commitment, determination, and consistent efforts to recover from whatever you're, you're dealing with. Okay? So there's, if you want to heal permanently, it's not just about the physical body. It's about, there's, it's about mentally, there's a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual component to healing. It's been my experience. And, you know, I've been, I'm not a doctor, but I've been working with clients for the last 24 years in my uh, coaching practices and in seminars, in you know, workshops. And I can't tell you how many people that I've experienced when they can shift their mindset can start the healing process. So how do, we, how do we heal mentally? Well, first of all, we take full responsibility for our bodies, for our minds, for our emotions, for what's going on in our life. That's number one. And then you look at your part, if you have a part. Sometimes you don't. But if you have a part in creating the disease in you, you know, you got to own it. You can't change what you can't acknowledge. It's been my experience. At some level, you got to get clear that, oh, I have a part in this. Maybe it's, maybe it's the uh, environment. Maybe it's what you're putting in your environment. Maybe it's what you're putting in your mind. Okay? But, you know, there's, there's a question that I ask a lot of people when they come into coaching and they've had chronic illnesses that, uh, that have been with them for a long time. I just ask them this. First of all, first of all I tell them to have a lot of compassion for themselves. Because you know what? It's compassion, and I have a lot of compassion for those that are suffering. Um, I've suffered a lot in my life. I've, I've gone through a lot, so I understand um, the suffering we go through as, as human beings. But I do ask the person, I said, you know, what would a person have to believe to have this particular disease? Now, some of you might say that's kind of harsh, but, you know, I want to look at them and I want to give them every option to delve deep into themselves, into their psyche, to start to understand what is what is healing them, what can heal them. Also emotionally, um, I ask people to notice their feelings, notice where that, that they're feeling, the disease might be in their hand, but they emotionally might be feeling it in their, in their throat. So I ask them to get in tune with their body. How does it feel emotionally? And then I ask them a lot of times, are there unresolved issues emotionally? You know, are there regrets, resentments? Is there some anger going on? Shame, blame, guilt, traumas, dramas, any hurts of the past? As we start to look at these things, we start to clear out and create a, a space for healing, right? In fact, I wrote a book called uh, Release, Renew, Evolve. And uh, that book is, um, 
all about helping you go within yourself and start to ask uh, the subconscious mind. I like to take you down into the subconscious mind so that you start to look at anything that might be stopping you from healing, right? As I just went over, resentments, blame, shame, guilt, right? So that book has specific questions in it that help you take you into the subconscious so that you can acknowledge what's going on, make a conscious choice to release it, and, and, and do, and release it, and move on, okay? Physically, you know, I ask people, how long have you been living with that physical ailment? You know, how many ways have you tried to heal it? You know, have you, have you seen a doctor? Have you, seen, have you been on a quest? Have you taken, done what you need to do, your part to heal, whatever that is physically? And then spiritually, you know, it's what's this disease teaching you? How are you growing? How are you becoming, you know, what's the purpose of the disease? You know, is, there, is it to make you spiritually stronger? Is it uh, for you to understand your own life purpose? So many people change when they have life-changing diseases. You don't have to have that to change. But if you have something going on, look at it mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Listen, I'll be right back. We've got uh, uh, our guest coming up next uh, next segment here, Dr. David Epstein. He's going to be shedding some new light on what I just shared. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. The most talented athletes in the world rely on a coach to get better. And the most successful business people do the same. I have found working with Ken D. Foster to be an extraordinary experience. He helped me to expand my vision, increase profits, and showed me the way to have more fulfillment and success in my life. Ken D. Foster is the coach's coach for business and life. He has been nicknamed the coach of the successful and wealthy. Ken is an instrumental part of my team and the success I have generated over the past 12 months. Ken gave me the strategies to increase productivity, reduce turnover, and take my business to the next level. So what's holding you back? Ken D. Foster is a master business coach with proven strategies to dramatically increase efficiency and productivity while maximizing individual development and fulfillment. Explore your possibilities. For a free consultation, log on to KenDFoster.com. That's KenDFoster.com. KenDFoster.com. There comes a time when you know you need to restart and regain control of your life. A time to seek freedom from the anxiety, addiction, and other issues that may be bringing you down. A time to heal and reemerge as the real you. Villa Kalima is a holistic residential recovery program exclusively for women for individualized treatment. Villa Kalima offers proven clinical and holistic therapies for the mind, body, and spirit to assure sustainable recovery. Villa Kalima focuses on healing the cause, not temporarily masking symptoms. It's the only way to truly recover and find yourself again. Villa Kalima is located in a beautiful, peaceful, resort-like setting and is a licensed and accredited residential treatment center accepting a variety of health insurances. Start your healing and renewal today by calling Villa Kalima in La Costa, California at 760-814-8214. 760-814-8214. Villa Kalima, a place for transformation. We're back with Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting VoicesOfCourage.us. And now your host, Ken D. Foster. 
Well, welcome back. The uh, show today is The Courage to Overcome Great Challenges. It's being brought to you by Women's Wisdom, San Diego's premier networking relationship building group for purpose-driven, soul-inspired female entrepreneurs. You can find them on the web at womenswisdom.net. That's womenswisdom.net. Also, I want to thank you for tuning in to Voices of Courage. If you're new to the show, we're all about empowering our audiences to step into their power, transform their lives, and become an unstoppable force, uh, not only in your own life, but uh, making a difference in other people's lives along the way. You can find us on the web at voicesofcourage.us or just Google Voices of Courage. And if you're so inclined, join our insider group. Uh, the insiders get uh, some great uh, giveaways. Some guests, some of our guests give giveaways on, on the show. We give you free tickets, seminars, workshops, all kinds of things. So join us on the insider program. All righty. Today on my show, I have Dr. David Epstein. He is the co-founder and medical director of MVP Pediatric and Urgent Care. Dr. Epstein attended the University of California, San Diego for undergraduate schooling, then received his master's degree in applied physiology and biophysics from Georgetown University, and finally, a medical doctorate from Georgetown University School of Medicine. His area of research has focused in on healthcare disparities as it relates to pediatric pediatric critical care. Okay, that was a mouthful. <laughs> Dr. Epstein, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, Appreciate I'm so glad that, well, you're back in your hometown in San Diego. That's right. right? That's right. It's good to be back. Yeah. Good, yeah. So you went to school down here. Yeah. There's some nice memories down here. The, the beaches, of course, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, the last segment I was talking about, uh, you know, there's more components to healing than just the physical body. You know, we're talking mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Um, do you find that at all in the practice uh, when you're working with people? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in the in the pediatric ICU where you you equate an ICU with machines and medicines and everything on that high level. Uh, that goes into like researching different drugs and things. And so it's very, very, very scientific and very physiology based. But uh, one of the important things that we have as part of the team, it's a multidisciplinary team. And, and people that are included on that team are people like nutritionists, um, the social workers, the child life specialists, um, even the, the spiritual care. You know, these are all part of the medical team of doctors and nurses and and uh, people who, who help in, in the ancillary service, like uh, like respiratory therapists, the pharmacists. So it, it, as I say, it takes a village uh, to care for these critically ill children. And, you know, it's surprising how, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's surprising because it's, it's, we see it that child life is a very important part of it. And that, you know, when you have a child, it's different than when it's an adult. Adult focuses on different things, but the thing that brings children back from critical illness is the medical care they receive, but in the absence of being a child, it's very hard for them. And, and they all want to go play in some form or fashion. And so people in the child life uh, area, they bring that play back to children at the bedside, even if they're critically ill, and try to get them to being a kid again. Well, 
I, you know, that's that's interesting that we do that for children, and uh, I know that's your specialty. It, uh, it, uh, it, it resonates with me that we need to do that with adults too, because there's there's a part of us that doesn't want to be. We don't want to be in the hospital. We don't want to be in a critical care situation. We want to be out playing and having fun too. But, but anyway, so, you know, one of the things I read about you is that. Uh, you differentiate children. You 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 say that children are not just little adults; they're children, and they need to be treated in uh, in that fashion. And that's one of the things I, I love about what you're doing with your clinic up there in in Tarzana, um, because you're really specializing in the children area. Um, so why why are children different than adults? Well, I mean, their their focus is on on things different. They're they're a child. They just want to play. That's that's their their goal. And and like we mentioned before, and um, but also from a physiologic standpoint, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, from a physiologic standpoint and an illness standpoint, they tend to differ in how their their body reacts uh, than an adult would. And so, with you know, pediatric specialized care, the focus is is a bit different than adult care because they have a different set of diseases. And even if they get the the same kind of cold, their body responds differently than adult than an adult would in some situations. Like for instance, like uh, croup. Uh, mm-hmm. People may have heard about croup, which is uh, comes up you know kind of during the summer months, and we've seen a few cases recently. And for you or I, it's just a cold, and you know we've got a runny nose, we've got a cough and fever. We don't feel well, but for an infant or a small child, a toddler what happens is that virus attacks the airway and the airway narrows and they have what's called strider, which is when you're taking a breath in, it's like you're breathing through a smaller, uh, smaller hole. And so they make a high pitched noise as they're breathing in and they can, it can get them into respiratory distress and they can have trouble. The reason being is because their trachea is, is anatomically different than an adult's trachea. It's smaller at at a certain region, the subglottic area. And as they grow, it, you know, their trachea enlarges and it becomes more of a, a, a different size. And, but as a child, that same virus that hits you or I makes a bigger difference in a child that, that age because of the way their anatomy is. Um, also, one of the things that we do with, with children in illness is you can really, children are not malingerers. You know, like when you have adults, sometimes, you know, you get the flu and you're kind of out and you kind of, you kind of milk it a little bit. But kids, if they're, if they're feeling well, they're playing. If they're feeling sick, they don't. And there's no, they're not, there's no secondary gain you know, for a child. Basically, they want to play. And so, or they want to they act normally or do the normal behaviors. And so the things that are most concerning for us as, uh, as a medical team is that if a child is not behaving like a child. And so if they're you know, like a baby, if, if they're not active and feeding and doing all the things and and they're sleeping too much, or they're not—they're more fussy than normal. Those are warning signs, very subtle, but that's how you know you can differentiate between you know some of the illnesses in in babies or small children and uh, and adults. So you know when when uh, when you and I talked, um, I don't know a little a little while back, we talked about having you on the show. One of the things that um, we had talked about was the uh, uh, the child vaccinations, and. Um, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I I wish I would have looked on the internet last night, but it. Uh, so I I won't have an accurate number, but I will say this: it's. Um, it seems like an outrageous number that uh, the uh, state is now requiring 
uh, for children, uh, the number of vaccines that they uh, seem to uh, want them to have. It was like 70 by the time they're 18, something like that. Um, so what do you think about that? What's, what's your hit on that? Well, you know, <clears throat> coming, coming from the other side. So I'm, yeah. I'm not a primary care pediatrician. So okay. I'm, I'm not administering vaccines. And, you know, at the, at the urgent care, we'll give flu shots and we'll do tetanus boosters okay. if they have, you know, dirty wounds or things like that. Yeah. Um, but primary vaccine schedules are done by the, the general pediatricians. But that being said is I'm on the other side of when the kids get the illnesses. And it's a, a little bit harrowing. And it's like, it kind of, it changes your, your point of view in a little bit. It's like if you have a, you know, a, a swimming pool and, uh, and you, now as a pediatric intensivist, I have, I've seen drownings. I've seen childhood drownings in swimming pools or in a child, a toddler falling into a, headfirst into a bucket of water. They can't pull themselves out. It's very traumatic, very traumatic. And so, you know, for me, a pool means something different to somebody else. You know, that means relaxation. For me, it's anxiety. Right. So when I see children with vaccine preventable illnesses and I've seen in the ICU, uh, you know, most commonly the flu, because it's it's something that's more common than some of these other other diseases out there. But you see children who have been on ventilators. You've seen children who have been on IV medications, who've been in the hospital for weeks. You've seen children who die. So that's what colors my experience with, with the vaccines and wow. why I think that they're necessary. Okay. Um, you know, there's, um, uh, with the vaccine uh, area, um, as you said, just uh, with, the, uh, with the ones that you see that come in and they're sick, you know, um, I just wonder how many that get the vaccines that, that the vaccine itself impacts them in a negative way. And, and have you seen that too? You know, I haven't seen that in the ICU. Um, and I haven't really seen that in the clinic as much as you know, maybe seeing a rash or maybe seeing a fever or things like that. I know that there are adverse effects from Okay, vaccines. well, l- listen, let's, let's talk about those adverse effects. I've got to take a break. I'll be right back, and uh, we'll talk about the adverse effects of that. Okay. Yeah. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. You know you have it, the potential for a more rewarding life. A life that matters. But how do you get there? The answer is in a best-selling book by the coach of the successful and wealthy, Ken D. Foster. The Courage to Change Everything, Daily Strategies and Wisdom to Awaken Your Hidden Genius and Transform Your Life. With this powerful yet amazingly simple daily guide, your future is in your hands. You will be empowered to unlock your potential, bring out your true gifts, increase your wealth, and take your life and business to a new level. Get your life-transforming copy of Ken D. Foster's The Courage to Change Everything by going to couragetochange.us. That's couragetochange.us. Quite frankly, there's no other book like this. Imagine what your life could be like if you had at your fingertips the success principles to create the life you've always wanted. Are you ready to live your dream? Go to couragetochange.us. Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting voicesofcourage.us. And now your host, Ken D. Foster. Well, welcome back. Uh, Today we're talking about the courage to overcome great challenges. 
I'm in studio with Dr. David Epstein. Uh, we're talking about uh, vaccines right now in children. And um, before I get to that conversation, I want to thank all my guests uh, for tuning in. I really appreciate you letting your friends know about this show. And this week, I am giving away Release, Renew, Evolve, uh, the uh, book that I talked about in the first segment, to all my listeners who comment on the show on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'll tag a friend or two who would enjoy the message, that would be great. It's a... Uh, it's something that'll help a lot of people uh, to really take their lives to a new level. So I hope you'll uh, do that for us. All right, Dr. Epstein, vaccines. So the negative side of the vaccines, you know, the positive side is children, you know, they, they don't get the flu or they don't get the disease. The negative side is that the, the, the vaccines themselves are causing illness. Um, how, how often do you see that? Um, I, I rarely see that. I mean, as far as like maybe some superficial things like a rash or a fever or things, they're very uncommon. And um, the point of fact is that I see more problems with the diseases coming into the clinic and infectious diseases than I do from vaccines themselves. So, you know, my, my, my view is a little bit skewed because I have seen that side of where I've seen vaccine preventable diseases like meningococcemia or pertussis or the influenza in the ICU. And it, it kind of colors your, your, your perspective a little bit. And, and, and those are the severe things. I've, I've never seen a vaccine-related injury in the ICU. Um, so it's, it kind of puts things in a little bit of a different perspective. So when you're talking about how many vaccines children are getting, um, you know, the number of, of vaccines that they're getting an exposures to these, these antigens to try to build up immunity um, is very, very small. Even though it seems like a large number, it's very small compared to the number of things that they see every day. They're, because our bodies are exposed to you know, everything in the environment every single day, different things that their immune system has to kind of fight against or get, or get educated about. Um, so vaccines are just a small, small part of that. Even though the number seems large to us, for our bodies, it's, not a, it's a very small number. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I, uh, you know, I, uh, in, when we got on that subject, because I had told you the story about my, uh, na my nephew, who he uh, got vaccinated, and then uh, about a week later, he went into uh, uh, autism. He, she shut down. He's been autistic ever since. And I had another uh, uh, family member, another nephew, uh, this is both on my wife's side, that he got vac vaccinated, and uh, he got the, the both of them had the uh, the uh, the MMR, I think it was. And when the, he was vaccinated, about uh, about two days later, his kidneys shut down, and he's uh, been a diabetic ever since. So I don't I don't know. You know I I mean I, I have another point of view. You know I, I see it because I got a family that's been impacted by that, yeah. and um, so. Where's the balance? How do we know? Where's the test that says you're going to be you're going to be impacted in a negative way, or you're fine to take them? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the the medical community is is actively doing a lot of research, and as far as you know, what I see and I've and I've seen, you know, there are thousands and thousands of researchers out there looking into these subjects and creating you know, projects and and looking at different aspects of vaccines, and all very you know well intentioned people, and everybody wants to do to do good by the community and, and help children. And so I think there's no malintent by any creation of these, these things. There, there are surveillance systems in place, more so than, like, I give amoxicillin for, for ear infections, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen kids who've had allergic reactions to that. You know, so 
it's, it's, there, there's a surveillance system for vaccines and vaccine safety. There've been a lot of studies and the correlation between the MMR and autism in, in the scientific literature right now, there's overwhelming evidence that there is no connection. Um, there's concern, you know, because some people kind of equate, you know, uh, you know, correlation with causation. And, you know, science is, is researching these things and, and producing, you know, large studies to try to kind of make people feel comfortable or identify areas in which there, there is a causation and not just a correlation. So, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to uh, to dis discuss the topic uh, in as much as I think that there's a, there's a lot of emotion behind some of the things because you know people have things that happen in close proximity to vaccination and then you have researchers looking into it and may not be finding it but it really hits home and you kind of have to start where the person's at and what happened to them and their experience to kind of understand you know their feelings behind it um, you know science. Scientists can be wrong, but the scientific process isn't. Um, meaning that if something is proven and it's repeated over and over again through the scientific process, then it becomes more close to true as humans as we can possibly make it. But scientists individually as humans can be wrong, but the scientific process isn't wrong. Isn't and wrong. I, and I, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. I, th I think that that's, that's accurate. And... Um, uh, so I think that, um, like you said, we need a lot more research, research in these areas. Oh, Excuse me. Oh, because um, <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, when, when it's like you, you had mentioned in, you know, people, uh, the, to the amoxicillin, you know, a lot of kids have a, uh, a reaction to that. Um, <clears throat> where's the science behind that, right? How many kids are having a, a, a reaction? I mean, maybe that's. Maybe that study's been done. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, but sometimes studies are done, and then they're they're either accurate, not accurate, because of the way they were done, or things have changed. In uh, you know, in uh, you know, the child has, or the uh, population has, uh, or the, not, not the population, the uh, the vaccine is no longer effective as it it was in the past for for whatever reason, right? Yeah. Well, they, and, they're, and they're, they, they track these. I mean, the, the CDC and the World Health Organization and, you know, places like, you know, American Academy of Pediatrics, American Family uh, Practice. You know, there, there are a lot of professional organizations, and this is such a hot, you know, button topic now because of the, the outbreaks of measles across the country. And, um, you know, there is, very, there is concern. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, year, you know a few years ago uh, when we first opened and, you know, a couple years into that, we never even thought about pertussis, but over the last year or so, we've had more people coming into the clinic uh, asking for their child to be tested for pertussis because they're worried because there's an outbreak here, there's an outbreak there. So, you know, for, for me, on, on that end, you know, I, I vaccinate my children and I vaccinate myself. I even got an MMR booster, uh, you know, because I'm like, you know, I'm not going to check right. my titers. I'm just going right. to get it, you know, because right. it's uh, measles is around. You never know where it's going to be. That's interesting because uh, when I was a child, I remember my I remember distinctly. In fact, I talked to my brothers and sisters about this. Um, when the measles came to the neighborhood, the moms took everybody down to the child that had the measles, and if it was a light case, they wanted everybody to play with that kid to get the measles for the immunity. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's a little primitive, but uh, so now we have vaccines to do that. 
um, you know, and I mean, I'm I. I think that's good. You know, I think there's certain vaccines that are that help us. I think what happens with a lot of us, though, is that when does it cross the line of, uh, you know, when the state gets involved and, and organizations get involved that say you have to vaccinate and we need a 90 percent uh, or 95 percent vaccination uh, uh, pool to stop the disease, then then personal freedoms start to be taken away and the government starts to tell us what we need to do. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to get into that with you, but yeah. well, I don't know if you have a comment on that. But yeah, well, well to, to got your, about a minute. OK, for the first for the first point about, you know, like the, the measles party or the chicken pox parties that they would have to, yeah. to try to get right, right. natural immunity. You know, the the natural course of diseases is is very unpredictable and they have statistics on on outcomes, morbidities, mortalities related to that. Um, so for me, uh, personally, I think it's not a, a safe practice to do. And, and the vaccines, the side effects of the vaccines are outweighed by the benefits and, and their adverse effects are not as severe as the diseases themselves. Well, listen, reason. listen, I want to finish that discussion with you, but I do have to take a break. And I do want to let people know how to get a hold of you before I take the break. So I'm speaking with Dr. David Epstein, and you can his, his site is mypediatric.com. That's my... MVP. Oh, mvppediatric.com. Let's get that yeah, right. mvppediatric.com. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. The most talented athletes in the world rely on a coach to get better, and the most successful business people do the same. I have found working with Ken D. Foster to be an extraordinary experience. He helped me to expand my vision, increase profits, and showed me the way to have more fulfillment and success in my life. Ken D. Foster is the coach's coach for business and life. He has been nicknamed the coach of the successful and wealthy. Ken is an instrumental part of my team and the success I have generated over the past 12 months. Ken gave me the strategies to increase productivity, reduce turnover, and take my business to the next level. So what's holding you back? Ken D. Foster is a master business coach with proven strategies to dramatically increase efficiency and productivity while maximizing individual development and fulfillment. Explore your possibilities. For a free consultation, log on to KenDFoster.com. That's KenDFoster.com. KenDFoster.com. There comes a time when you know you need to restart and regain control of your life. A time to seek freedom from the anxiety, addiction, and other issues that may be bringing you down. A time to heal and reemerge as the real you. Villa Kalima is a holistic residential recovery program exclusively for women for individualized treatment. Villa Kalima offers proven clinical and holistic therapies for the mind, body, and spirit to assure sustainable recovery. Villa Kalima focuses on healing the cause, not temporarily masking symptoms. It's the only way to truly recover and find yourself again. Villa Kalima is located in a beautiful, peaceful, resort-like setting and is a licensed and accredited residential treatment center accepting a variety of health insurances. Start your healing and renewal today by calling Villa Kalima in La Costa, California at 760-814-8214. 760-814-8214. Villa Kalima, a place for transformation. 
We're back with Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting VoicesOfCourage.us. And now your host, Ken D. Foster. Hey, we're back here today. We're talking about the curse to overcome any great challenges. And for some of you, vaccines have been a great challenge. And you've been wondering, you know, should I vaccinate? Should I not vaccinate? Um, is it right for my child? Is it right for me personally? And uh, I have in studio with me Dr. David Epstein. He's a in um, uh, MD and uh, specializing in uh, uh, child uh, pediatrics, children's pediatrics. And we're we're having that discussion. So you were talking about uh, you know the philosophy of you know your philosophy, your thought around you know vaccinate or not vaccinate. Um, yeah, and, and and I think that. There's a lot that goes into that. It's not, you know, necessarily black and white. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned before, I'm coming from a different perspective on seeing these diseases. And I think, you know, decades ago, you know, when, when, when polio was rampant, uh, you know, people were lining up, you know, around the block to get vaccinated because they were so fearful of, of, the, of what polio would bring. And now with the vaccinations, you know, the incidence has, has, has dropped and in the United States, it's not around anymore. Um, but there are other diseases where, you know, that's not necessarily the case. And we worry about measles now and pertussis and things like that. And, you know, I come from a different perspective also personally because um, I have a, a daughter who has uh, juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And um, it, she's immunocompromised now because she has to take Humira um, and methotrexate to try to control the autoimmune response in her system. And so that puts her at risk for infections. And so that's something that my wife and I are, you know, always concerned about and, and trying to, you know, monitor because, you know, she's been vaccinated and she's you know, protected, but her immune system isn't quite up to par. And so when these diseases come back um, and we know from a pathology standpoint and studying in medicine what they can do, and it's not to say that it happens to everybody, all bad things happen to everybody, but if you're you know, that one in a thousand that gets uh, encephalitis from, from measles, that's 100% for you, you know. So um, nobody wants to be in that position. Um, you know, I haven't seen chicken pox, uh, you know, since the, since the 90s, since they, they started uh, vaccinating for chicken pox. And I used to see kids come into the hospital with secondary bacterial infections because the, uh, the, the pox wounds would get ba- infected with bacteria and they'd be in the hospital getting IV antibiotics and things like that. And so... You know, I've, I've seen these things and it kind of, it makes me feel a little bit more, uh, I guess, uh, I feel more strongly about vaccines uh, because of my, my personal experience. And I know from the literature, you know, what the incident rates are and how things have gotten better over time and how society has benefited from them. So, you know, when you, you mentioned mandatory vaccinations and things like that, and I, I kind of fall on, on the side where, you know, I would want everybody vaccinated because, you know, I, I want people to be healthy. I, you know, and that's, my, that's my point of view from the things I've seen. If we could make the flu go away, you know, and the flu yeah. wasn't around, that would save a lot of people yeah. a lot of, lot of problems. Yeah. I, I, think, I think if, uh, if, we, uh, if we had the right numbers, I think uh, that would give a lot more confidence to people. And, you know, when I was talking about, you know, things change, uh, the AMA, what came out a month ago and said, hey, uh, there's more risk in taking an aspirin a day than there, than uh, than than not, right? And we don't recommend that anymore. 
And, you know, I think that that can be a challenge with vaccinations, too. I think that, you know, is what does the good of vaccinating outweigh the damage that it's doing to the children that aren't aren't available, you know, that aren't uh, that are compromised and they can't really take those vaccinations. I think that's always a challenge, right? Yeah. And medicine is like that. And I think that that our duty in the medical community is actually to question things. I mean, we have to raise those issues if there is something and there's a correlation with something that you know is bad with a vaccine, we have to address it so that we can make it better, or we can make sure that it doesn't happen. Like there was, right. a, you know, the rotavirus vaccine, which rotavirus is an intestinal, uh, you know, or you know, virus that causes severe diarrhea and can and can really dehydrate kids and causes a lot a lot of problems in kids with hospitalizations. So they created this vaccine and. And unfortunately, there was a correlation with uh, intussusception, which was a telescoping of the in- intestines uh, on itself and causing problems in, you know, in, in small children. So they, they took that off the market and they, they you know, re- redid, redid the vaccine so that it was safer. And so I think with anything in life, whether it's an antibiotic or vaccine or anything, I think it's important for us to, to question things. Not to the extent where we deny them entirely, but to question and say, hey, you know, maybe we can do better. Maybe we can make this a little bit safer. And that there's always room for safety. We do that in our personal lives. You know, we, we yeah. do that in the hospital. There, there are, are quality improvement initiatives in the hospital where they study outcomes. And, you know, I think that there is, uh, there is something where the, in medication errors is a huge thing in the hospitals. And one of the things that they did is they, uh, I remember at Children's Hospital, they they had the, the nurse who was, uh, who was preparing the medication or getting the medication. She would put a sash on, and that sash mean, meant don't talk to me while I'm getting a medication out here because, mm-hmm. you know, they find that when people are distracted, they make errors. Right. And so, you know, even the littlest things, whether it be a medication, whether it be a vaccine, whether it be an interaction, whether, you know, a personal interaction where it's systems, you know, there's always room for improvement. And I, I don't think anybody denies that. But I think at the same time, you know, we have something that is really helping people and making a big difference in, you know, morbidity, mortality. I think until something happens where we have to make a change, then we, then we address it. Yeah, that's good. Listen, okay, I want to switch gears here because, uh, first of all, I want to tell people uh, where to get you and um, to, where to find out more about you. And it's mvppediatric.com. MV is in Victor, P is in Paul, pediatric.com. So that's where you can find uh, Dr. Epstein. And uh, he specializes with kids. So, you know, you, you, you're doing things with children that – um, has I, I believe long we've needed for a long time because a lot of the urgent care uh, uh, organizations in San Diego and LA and Orange County and all around the nation are all set up for adults they're not set up for children so let's talk about that for just a, a minute and, and what are you doing different there well well first off I mean we're specialized in dealing with with children and and you know I think Physicians as a group, I mean, I, there are ER doctors, there are family practice doctors, and, they, and they're great. And I, I, you know, my hat's off to them. You know, we spend our lives, you know, studying, you know, children and, and learning about children, how to treat them, how to, you know, diagnose things. And so that's our, our specialty. And so every, and everything in, in our clinic is kind of geared towards that. And the caregivers that we have, you know, we have uh, pediatric nurse practitioners who specialize in kids. We have pediatric nurses who specialize in kids. The, the 
the materials and the management, everything is kind of geared towards kids. It's not the, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, kids are not small adults. And so they have to be treated differently and the environment has to be different. So um, we, we, we hope that we're making a difference uh, for the pediatric community. And that's why we're there. That's awesome. And, you know, have, uh, I don't know, have children changed over the years? Uh, uh, you know, you've, you've been doing this for a while. You know, do you see changes in, in uh, you know, the uh, the kids that are coming in? I mean, are they kids or just kids? Uh, only the teenagers. I think they've changed. Because mm-hmm. I was never like that when I was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, well, come on. Let's, yeah, me neither, <laughs> no. of course, never. You know, but I didn't have a cell phone, right? I yeah. didn't, I, that, gosh, I would have been even more dangerous. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what about, do you ever see any kind of uh, uh, diseases coming in that are related to cell phones, to uh, to the electronics, to the uh, Wi-Fi? You know, I hear a lot of things about, you know, 5G Wi-Fi is going to impact kids' health and, uh, you know, kind of things like this. Not, not, not specifically. Factor fiction, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, not, not specifically, you know, with what we're dealing with. But I think, you know, there's a lot to be said about the, the social interactions and the dynamics that are creating. I mean, it's a different... It's a different world on social media and the, and the dynamics on cell phones nowadays than it is it was when you know we didn't have cell phones and right. we didn't have those kind of so right. so I think some of the social interactions things like bullying um, is you know when you were bullied when you were a kid before you can just go home and you could you know you can be away from them now you're on a phone and and social media and it's out there and you're always exposed and so I think that there's probably a you know I can't. I can't speak from from you know the the psychological aspect as much, but it feels like there's a lot more anxiety around those those issues than there were in the past because you're you're so locked into being connected, you know, with with the community. You can't can't take a break. I love it. Okay, I've been speaking with Dr. David Epstein. Doctor, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I appreciate you. you. Oh, I, I'm grateful for you having I, me on. Okay. Well, listen, I got one more segment to do. We'll be right back. I'm going to be talking about uh, the. Uh, What you need to know about change, right? How you can change things that are not working for you in your life. I'm going to give you the strategies to do that. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. You know you have it, the potential for a more rewarding life, a life that matters. But how do you get there? The answer is in a best-selling book by the coach of the successful and wealthy, Ken D. Foster. The Courage to Change Everything, Daily Strategies and Wisdom to Awaken Your Hidden Genius and Transform Your Life. With this powerful yet amazingly simple daily guide, your future is in your hands. You will be empowered to unlock your potential, bring out your true gifts, increase your wealth, and take your life and business to a new level. Get your life-transforming copy of Ken D. Foster's The Courage to Change Everything by going to couragetochange.us. That's CourageToChange.us. Quite frankly, there's no other book like this. Imagine what your life could be like if you had at your fingertips the success principles to create the life you've always wanted. Are you ready to live your dream? Go to CourageToChange.us. With Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting voicesofcourage.us. And now your host, Ken D. Foster. What a show. We've had a great show today. The title is The Courage to Overcome Great Challenges. 
I'm going to give you some strategies of how to overcome some of your challenges. Of course, you probably don't have any challenges, right? You're like me. Everything is perfect all the time, right? Nothing ever shows up wrong. Okay. Yeah. You know I'm being facetious. Listen, uh, if you're a woman in the San Diego area, pay attention here. Uh, There's an organization called Women's Wisdom, which has been assisting women business owners to not only grow their businesses, but grow their lives since 1991. Women's Wisdom is San Diego's premier networking and relationship building group for soul-inspired female entrepreneurs. You can find them at womenswisdom.net. That's womenswisdom.net. Okay, overcoming great challenges. Well, I've been in this business for 24, 25 years, somewhere around there, and what I've seen is that uh, a lot of times people attend uh, a workshop or they'll read a book or they'll uh, hire a coach. Uh, they, they, there's something in their life they really want to change. Um, and what happens uh, for a lot of times is uh, they, they, sometimes it, it works, but most of the time, uh, especially if they're trying to get motivated and uh, they're trying to inspire themselves to make a change, most of the time it doesn't work, Right. I think uh, we can look at New Year's resolutions as a example of that. That uh, I think it's forty uh, percent of resolutions are abandoned within two weeks, and after that, I think it's uh, somewhere around twenty-five percent of those New Year's resolutions are ever completed. So, why is that? Well, I submit this. I submit it's it's how we change. It's how we learn. When, when you were in school, when I was in school, every day we came into class and we had uh, a professor or a teacher or an instructor help us to shift our mind, help us to see things that we haven't seen before, help us to grow. So they're dripping on our mind every single day. And as a result, we started to make changes and we started to make profound changes. That's how most of us learn. Most of us don't learn by going to a a workshop and get motivated, and then you leave the workshop, and two days later, you don't remember what you even learned. Most of us need to set up intention for what we want to change. And as I was saying in my earlier segment, change happens not only with intention, but with daily actions around it. So you might need to get some information around what you need to change. I do that all the time. But when I after, I after I get that information, I might pick up a book and I'll start reading. Let's, let's say I want to learn about uh, how to fast. You know, I want to lose a few pounds. So I'll pick up a book or two or three. I'll get some information about it. After I have the information, I'll make a choice on what I want to, uh, which path I want to take. Once I know that path, I'm fully committed to that path. And I take that path, I immerse myself in that path, whatever it may be, until I either get results or it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, I don't stay on that path. I go and find another path. But here's the point. I immerse myself in information on a daily basis while I'm on whatever quest that is. And I found that this is we need to change how we change. So we really need to stop just making up that you can change by doing one thing, uh, one thing, uh, one workshop, one event, one class, that's not going to happen. 
So I wrote a book around this, and uh, the name of the book is called The Courage to Change Everything, Daily Strategies and Wisdom to Unlock Your Genius and Transform Your Life. And I wrote it. It took me about six years to write it. It's coming out in July. And I wrote it specifically for clients and myself that need inspiration, a little wisdom, some guidance, some coaching every single day to drip on their mind every single day so that change can start to take place. And what I found is that we don't need just more information. We need more wisdom. We need to tune into that place of in, our, in ourselves that really does have the answers. All of us have undeveloped uh, a gut, a gut feeling or a gut intuition. All of us have that. But for those that are taking their lives to the next level, they've developed that intuition. See, intuition is, is 100% accurate, right? Now, undeveloped intuition may be 20% accurate. You have a gut feeling, but it's the wrong gut feeling, okay? Because you've got emotions or you've got You've got uh, uh, programming in your head that's telling you one thing. It's not You're not even seeing reality clearly. So to be able to see things in a new light, see the unseeable, to start to know things that you don't know, know the unknowable, and start to do things that you have not been able to do before, we really have to change on a daily basis. So again, I wrote the book, The Courage to Change Everything, and I have in my hands right now day 57. So this book is written on a day-by-day basis. You read it every day. You spend uh, anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes with it every day, drip on your head. And here's day 57, so you get a sample of what this is all about. Courage combined with faith is an unstoppable force. Have you ever been in a situation where you tried to think of every possible way to get out of it, and you seemingly exhausted your mind? Celebrate. Breakdown is an amazingly good place to be in because you realize that it will take more than your limited thinking to overcome the problem. Can you relate to this? It is in the moments of utter frustration that you can choose to surrender your limiting beliefs and start looking for an alternative answer. Most of the time when people are stuck, their thinking is polarized. They think in terms of absolutes. It's either this way or that way. Seldom do they ask, how many possible solutions are there to this problem? When this happens, many times the doors will open where you least expect it. It is surrender that walks you through it because you have created a new path yet in the unexplored mind. Remember, there's always more solutions to, uh, to problems than there are problems, but you must surrender your old ways of thinking, open up your creativity, and change your point of view to find the solutions that will work for you. Today, ask, if I knew I could overcome all stressors, what could I do right now to generate peace? Number two, how will I increase my choices so I will always succeed at overcoming my problems? And number three, what must I remember to be a successful problem solver? In your actions, think of one problem you're facing right now and then challenge yourself to come up with 10 solutions to that problem. That's what it's about. I hope you'll check it out. The book you can find at CourageToChange.us. That's CourageToChange.us. Thank you for tuning in today. 
And we appreciate your questions and your comments. So send them to us at voicesofcourage.us or on Facebook. Take care. Thanks for joining us for Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting voicesofcourage.us. And we're always interested in what you have to say. So follow Ken on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email your questions and comments to viewer at voicesofcourage.us. Also, you can find all of Ken's previous shows by visiting voicesofcourage.us. Be sure to join us next time as Ken brings more stories of courage that will inspire greatness within you and change your life for the better. Until next time, live courageously and see the unseeable, know the unknowable, and do the impossible. This has been Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster.